0: Welcome to the Informed Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with New York Times bestselling author, Adam Zickerman.
1: In this podcast, we're gonna discuss my original vision for how we started Informed Fitness and where I want Informed Fitness to go and where we think exercise should go in the future. It's nice to see that my original intuition over 20 years ago has been validated by some recent science. So we're gonna bring on some scientists in this industry, some great testimonials from clients that have experienced this. We're gonna be bringing in musicians and very interesting people, bodybuilders talking about how little they actually work out. It's going to shed some light on some very important topics.
0: Thanks for joining us for the InForm Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with Adam Zickerman and friends. I'm Tim Edwards, the founder of the InBound Podcasting Network. Back with Adam's friends and colleagues, Sheila Melody from the Informed Fitness Luca Lake location and Mike Rogers from the New York City location. And across the hall from Mike is the founder of InForm Fitness and author of the New York Times bestseller, Power of Ten, The Once-A-Week Slow-Motion Fitness Revolution, Adam Zickerman. We are in the middle of a series on high intensity during your workout. In the last episode, we discussed understanding failure reaching muscle failure in your workout, to be more precise. And by hitting muscle failure safely, you get a week's worth of exercise in just one 20-minute session. Now, coming up in this episode, we'll provide a very descriptive and detailed definition of a high-intensity workout from Ken Hutchins, one of the pioneers of this protocol. We'll also discuss how this type of workout will enhance your performance in whatever activity it is you enjoy. But first, Adam, let's dispel the stigma associated with the word intensity I mean, we don't want to scare anybody
1: Intensity, yeah, an intense workout I think will scare most people If they if they feel like they're out of shape Or they haven't worked out in a long time And, and that, yeah, that, that raises concern for sure it Raises the red flag, so to speak In people's minds when they hear That this is not only an intense workout But a very intense workout And one of the first things that pops into a lot of people's heads Is, can I do this? Or is it safe for me? And That's what I meant when I said it depends who's telling the story about intensity. I think what we do so well is explaining that intensity is not the problem, but it's the way we try to achieve intensity that's really where the problems lie.
2: When I talk to clients and when I I say high intensity, and when, when I personally think of high intensity, I think of that. The first thing that comes to my mind is that insanity workout. High intensity, you know, it's like, and I always try to tell people, you know, you're not going to be jumping around, you're not going to be like, you know, we're not going to kill you. Um, So you have to kind of, yeah, you do have to kind of qualify it a little bit, you know, when you say high intensity.
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, a lot of the medical research and fitness research that's been coming out over the last few years, which we've been advocating for, you know, I don't know, Adam, how long now? Almost twenty years. Um, My whole is, life, exactly. <laughs> you no, know, but it's uh, yeah, sure. everyone's uh, now <laughs> a big advocate, and they've showed through a lot more of the of the studies that a high intensity stimulus is. Uh, the more the more worthwhile stimulus in order to uh, to gain the adaptation and the effect of the muscle and the body. So it's uh as Adam said, it is it's the modality, it's defining it. I mean, uh, some of the things that have taken the headlines are the seven minute workout in the New York Times, CrossFit boot camps. You know, all engaging, fun, highly intense, and where people have gotten. Like a lot of results, but uh, oftentimes they're not assessing the risk uh, when entering into those types of workouts. And I think that's where uh, Power of 10 and Informed Fitness is really, really uh, that's where we have the advantage.
0: And when we're talking intensity too, and for 20 minutes, uh, we really want to make it clear to somebody who's considering this type of exercise that it is not 20 solid minutes of intensity. Really? I mean based upon, you know, the five to seven or however many exercises somebody's going through within that twenty minutes, the intensity really is in the last thirty seconds of the exercise, at least that's how I feel.
1: Well, Tim, you make a good point actually. Your original, your question is right on, because you're not doing twenty minutes of high intensity exercise. If you're doing six exercises that last a total of a minute and a half, that's nine minutes actually of exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So one and a half minutes times six is nine minutes. You know, when it comes down to it, whether it's a two minute set or even a three minute set or a one minute set, at the end you've reached muscle failure. At the end, it's still those last 20 seconds. Now, there are a lot of people that if you pick a weight where those last 20 seconds come in 60 seconds, <laughs> all right, so come on, Fed, that means it's already starting hard and challenging, but it's not like grueling. Now, I understand that some people, especially beginners, need to kind of work up to that burn. But, you know, uh, what I found is once you understand what the bottom line is and where you have to go, a lot of people want to get it over with. People want the weight to be heavier so they don't have to take two
3: minutes to get to that point. Yeah, and mm-hmm. as long as their form is is solid, it's going to be okay. When when on the first couple sessions, it's usually not about deep muscle failure. It's just about understanding intensity anyway. So it's it's something that you know we're focusing more on uh, on the form and making sure people feel confident and safe while they. They accept and understand what it feels like to do uh, to uh, to have an intense stimulus on their body. Usually, uh, unlike anything they've had before, even if, even with uh, 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 very very competitive athletes, it's uh, it's quite a challenge.
0: Right, and it certainly takes some getting used to, but it really doesn't take long. So, Adam, let's shift gears a little bit here. In your book, Power of Ten, The Once-A-Week Slow Motion Revolution, and in earlier episodes of the podcast, you've mentioned the name Ken Hutchins, one of the pioneers of the super slow technique. Tell us a little bit more about Ken and share with us his definition of a high-intensity exercise regime.
1: We'd be doing uh, everyone a disservice uh, and to, to not mention where this all came from. It's This was not my brainchild, this idea of exercise versus recreation. I wish it was, but it's not. Uh, regardless, I'm following it. But the person responsible for this is a guy named Ken Hutchin. And he, he worked for Nautilus. He was a protege of Arthur Jones, who was the founder of Nautilus. And Nautilus had their own protocol. They weren't just an exercise company. They were a protocol, an exercise protocol. And a lot of the, of the early bodybuilders uh, were using it back when he, when he came out with this thing in, in the mid to, to late 60s, the Nautilus equipment. And the protocol was high-intensity. This is the beginning of high-intensity exercise where, finally, intensity, almost above all else, was the key to seeing results. And it was done in, in, in a 2-4. In they called it a 2-4 protocol, which is lifting in two and lowering in four. So that was... Drastically slower than what, was, like, what used to be done. And it was being done on equipment, which is also very radical because free weights were, were king at that time, especially for bodybuilders. So Arthur Jones had to prove that equi- you know, it doesn't matter what the tool is. Matter of fact, equipment can actually do some better things for you. Ken Hutchins realized that the protocol can even get better. So here is Ken Hutchins' actual definition. I'm going to read it. Exercise is a process whereby the body performs work of a demanding nature in accordance with muscle and joint function in a clinically controlled environment within the constraints of safety, meaningfully loading the muscular structures to inroad their strength levels to stimulate a growth mechanism within minimum time. What does that mean?
3: Simple, right? <laughs> Who wrote that? Justice Ginsburg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scalia. Wow. I don't agree to understand that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly.
1: It's brilliant. And it is a true definition because, as he points out, the definition of definition is to delimit, which means that there are no other possibilities that could could, uh, Mm. exist. For for example, if I said to somebody, please define what a pen is. And they said, a pen is a writing instrument. So therefore, I can hold up a pencil, I can hold up a quill. Mm and say, well, therefore, this is a pen, right? It says, no, no, actually, uh, a pen actually has ink. Oh, so a pen is a writing instrument that uses ink. Yes, okay, so this quill and ink is a, is a pen, right? Okay, so you have to define it. You have to break it down even more. You see where I'm going mm-hmm. with this? All right, so that's what he just did with this definition. I mean, there is no possibility of exercise being anything other then lifting weights really slowly on retrofitted equipment in a very cool environment that is going to reach a certain level of intensity. All right? There's no other way of doing it according to this definition. He wrote this definition to narrow down exactly how you have to perform exercise, which is to lift weights 10 seconds up, 10 seconds down, according to muscle and joint function. So you better have your biomechanics right and your machines retrofitted for those biomechanics. All right? And you better do it in a minimum amount of time and reach failure pretty darn quickly. And not hurt yourself in the process, he says here. That's what he just said in a very long way. But like you, there is no room for error there. There's no ambiguity with a definition like that. And that's his brilliance. He finally did it. Now gardening is not freaking exercise anymore. right? <laughs> Doctors can't tell their clients, oh, go on a walking program, get some exercise. They can't say that anymore if they go by this definition of exercise. Which is good because a doctor that's telling their patients that all they have to do is get out there and be active and go on a walking program because they want to save their ass. Because even if they die on a walking program, they can't get sued for that. (laughs) That's his definition because that is what it has to be. But this is how we interpret it and this is how we explain it to our clients. Which comes down to basically what Doug McGuff did, which which is another great contributor to this movement – writing the book Body by Science, who hopefully will be a guest on our show one time. Mm -hmm. In that
0: definition, nowhere did it say, in Ken Hutchins' definition, nowhere did it say a leisurely activity.
1: Right. What I've been doing and what Doug McGuff did in his book is kind of tweak that definition for a layperson, something that you can just kind of have as a mantra, if you will, all right, and have it be that axiom that will guide you to deciding how you want to engage in exercise, and and, and his definition was, much more succinct, to build fitness, to improve and enhance your fitness, while at the same time not undermining your health. And that is the essence of what Ken Hutchins wrote in his definition.
0: And what you built and based your business on.
1: Yeah, exactly. When it comes down to it, you just have to work out and not hurt yourself in the process. You know, and it only it comes down to like doing like five exercises so to work the whole body really hard and then move on with your life.
0: Well, Adam, I have a question. So as we move forward with the exercise versus recreation debate, so say somebody comes in and and I'll use myself as an example. So I, I want to enhance my game in softball. Right. So somebody comes in with some specific goals because they want to get better at an activity. Uh, uh, that they enjoy for recreation. Do you tailor uh, uh, an exercise regime based upon that, or is it pretty standard throughout?
2: Read Doug McGuff's book. <laughs> That's an
1: excellent question. Uh, I get asked that question all the time. You know, I, I want to get better. You know, I'm, I'm a softball player, to use your example. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to go about that? Do we do, we do certain exercises uh, for throwing? Do we do certain exercises Uh, We're going to do plyometrics and and, and jump side to side laterally like a shortstop would. Or how are we going to train for this? Uh, And the application is very general. We have to strengthen your hips. So we're going to do a leg press. We're going to do some abductor exercises. We'll do some adductor exercises. To strengthen the whole complex, we're going to do lower back exercises. We're going to strengthen your lower back, but we're going to do it in a way that's not mimicking what a straw stop would do. We're going to do it the way
3: your your body was meant to move. What's great about our program is we're we're building all of the muscles of your body, which are involved in the movements that you're going to execute when you're performing a sport. And you know, all the people who've who are playing golf and playing tennis and playing softball and skiing, they've they've been uh, you know they report the. You know, incredible testimonials about it. The bottom line is, doing leg press is
1: not going to make you a great softball player. Doing hip abduction, lower back extensions, they're going to make your hips and your back and all the muscles involved in playing softball very strong, and hopefully those joints really safe. And then it's up to you to practice that skill. So it's a two prong approach, and and you do both. You have to get strong. You have to do. You have to get strong without. Using up all your resources, the last thing you want to do is do an exercise program that's going to make you so tired and so fatigued, mm. and put your joints at such stress that as soon as you leap for a ball on a softball field, that's when you uh, spasm in your back. And it's because you just worked out like a crazy man in the wrong way all week long. All right. So what you want to do is get out of your own way when it comes to exercise and not make put yourself in even worse advantage. It's already a demanding sport. You don't need your exercise to be just as demanding in that sense. What you want to do is get strong and not compromise your joints. All right, so when you go on a softball field, you're not going to spasm. You're not going to tear something, or hopefully not, and there's still no guarantee. Yeah, but it, to, yeah. to get better at softball, though, like Mike was saying, you have to just keep playing softball. And as, the stronger you get without compromising your joints, it gives you your best chance of being the best softball player you can be.
2: Just to put it simply – It's physical conditioning or strengthening versus skill, right? There's a different skill for every activity, for every uh, recreational activity. There's a skill that you develop. And then there's the physical conditioning. So there's those two, and there's a great chapter about that in um, Doug McGuff's book, Body by Science.
3: Oh, terrific. And the likelihood of actually getting hurt while you're practicing softball is going to go down significantly if you're stronger.
0: And that was my question. It wasn't necessarily uh, geared towards just softball, but I think everything that you just said probably applies to any activity or any recreational activity that somebody might be enjoying. Uh, and, and my question was, do you create a specific training, physical training program for that activity or is your system there at Informed Fitness Pretty universal to where just about anything that you want to do, whether it's golf, tennis, swimming, hiking, skiing, softball, that, that kind of fits that mold to train physically for those activities.
1: All right, so check this out. My story with this, all right? I've been staying very strong for a long time, and I took up snowboarding as a 42-year-old. Mm, that's encouraging. Right? If, you, yeah. if you talk to anybody that's tried snowboarding at, at, in middle age, most of them give up they're like it was too hard I was falling I was getting hurt I couldn't I didn't want to do it anymore I, I didn't really stick it out I only was able to learn how to snowboard because because I was a slow learner and it took me a good five solid days before I can kind of put a turn together on a snowboard without falling hmm. five solid days of being basically thrown into the ground all day long <laughs> all day long and if it wasn't for my basic, strength, my overall basic strength, there's no way I would survive those five days. Yeah, you'd be in the hospital. No way. I mean, I must have done a million push-ups in five days you know just to get back up off my ass all right on this snowboard i mean it was one of the hardest things i've ever attempted and that's why a lot of people that if they're not young trying to learn how to snowboard they just don't they give it up because it's just too hard on the body to learn how to how to
2: snowboard
0: great testimonial to this workout that you can pick something up as physically demanding as snowboarding at the age of 42
2: yeah and that's just a like i said that's a a hugely uh demanding sport that Adam was trying to do and we we hear time and again like we heard on the weekend when we were taping testimonials mm-hmm. uh can be as simple as gardening you know or doing things around the yard that people thought oh I just don't have the energy to do this anymore and then they start doing this workout and lo and behold a few months later they're like oh this is fine again this is mm-hmm. easy again I'm enjoying Doing my gardening and yard work again.
0: And and not just the recreational activities, but but just being able to... Work effectively to make a living. There's one woman that we interviewed that works for a television studio that's in, in the wardrobe department and has to lift and carry and drag. We interviewed a gentleman who's in IT and has to do a lot of crawling and climbing and carrying. And so this will not only just, this exercise won't only just benefit you so that you can be a great softball player or golfer, but also help you continue to do what you not only love to do, but have to do.
1: And how long does it take to have all these achievements to reach all these successes? How long does it take to be able to do these things? Oh, just twenty minutes once a week? Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Yes, shorter than a television episode, right? Hallelujah. (laughs) That's right. Seriously, like you know, if you started telling people, what would you say? If I can get you. To do all these things that we just talked about, like be able to snowboard at 45 and not not kill yourself, or to be able to actually garden a full acre of land mm. uh, in your property and enjoy that that fantasy of actually being an organic gardener and have your self-sustaining garden while you're in your golden years, All right, Just imagine being able to do that because that's a lot of hard work. Just be able to do that and not and not pay the price for it. Mm. What would you do for that? Well, I don't know. What I mean, sounds like. It takes so much. And we were like, I mean, what was it, a five-day-week workout? Uh, it was all that cardio and then doing weight training, too, like those crazy people on TV. And I'm like, no, no, actually. How about just 20 minutes once a week
3: and you can do all that? Yeah, and, and realistically, <laughs> over time, what I've noticed with uh, these types of testimonials when they report something like uh, like skiing, its uh, I mean, its I've seen it as early as six sessions, but usually within like eight or 10 sessions. So like less than less than three months, I think people are noticing very discernible changes in their body and, re, and, and in regards to their sports performance or recreational activity.
0: All right, thanks, Mike. That music means that we are close to the 20 minute mark in the podcast, which also means if you began your slow motion, high intensity workout at the start of this podcast, you'd be finished by now, done for the entire week. Thanks again to the gurus from Inform Fitness, Adam Zickerman, Mike Rogers, and Sheila Melody. And remember, if you have a question for Adam, Mike, or Sheila, or a comment regarding the Power of 10, it's very simple. Just shoot us an email or record a voice memo on your phone and send it to podcast at informfitness.com. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 888-983-5020, extension 3. That's 888-983-5020, extension 3. All feedback is welcome. And speaking of feedback, if you enjoyed the show, the best way to support it and to ensure that we continue to produce additional episodes is to subscribe to the podcast and please rate and review the show in iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Acast, YouTube, or wherever it is you might be listening. And to join InForm Nation for yourself and to give this workout a try, just visit InFormFitness.com for phone numbers and locations nearest you. You'll be glad you did. I am. I've been using this workout for several months. In addition to shedding a few pounds, I'm feeling great and getting stronger with a minimal investment of just 20 short minutes a week. I'm Tim Edwards, reminding you to join us in our next episode as we continue our discussion on high-intensity training With the Inform Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with Adam Zickerman and friends here on the Inbound Podcasting Network.